like you've already said. Do people say the same things? Yeah. Is anyone going to listen to this? <laughs> and do I have anything of value to say? Yeah, look, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm a teacher. That's why you're a teacher, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I am talking to Nicole, now, how do you say last name? Sem, Sayumanatufa. Try it one more time. Sayumanatufa. Salmantufa. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm not even getting close. But yes, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Sitting now. here on this drizzly old rainy day. Yeah, drinking peppermint tea. What are you drinking the peppermint tea out of? Uh, it is a very fine um, mug, yep. which was gifted to me by one of my favourite people in the world, my cousin Rachel, and it is about the tweets. And it says, oh, do shut up, you old hag. <laughs> which I feel is very appropriate. It's very appropriate. Given my position in life, yeah. So you're in old hag stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not quite in Chutney Appreciation <laughs> Territory yet. We're not in Chutney but Territory. Well on the way. Yeah. So, listeners out there, we had a discussion in the staff room earlier about at what age can you start appreciating Chutney? <laughs> Stopping by the Chutney stall and saying, "Ooh, oh, oh, what, what kind of tomatoes do you use?" I'd like to try that one with some pickles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just getting a little bit of cracker bread or. Is, is, it a, is it two stages, like getting into chutney and then being the person that I'm not going to buy any of your chutney, but I'm going to sample many, many, maybe, you know, double dip a couple. Yeah. That might be a little different. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm definitely not in that age bracket yet. Well, I'm only, I'm older than you, but... Not by much. No, we're, we're of the same vintage, aren't we? Yes, I believe so. And they, be, they became quite clear early on same same reference points yeah, in terms yeah. of music there's something about being 12 13 right yeah. the music that you listen to at that age really just is burrowed into your brain core memories core memories that's right there's yeah. a lot of that core memories yeah but really why we're here to discuss and i've got it written down here is why don't you like Sonia Dada's <laughs> Lover You Don't Treat Me No Good No More? Well, look, there's too many reasons to list now. Um, I <laughs> find the repetition, uh, I just find it oh, so annoying. It's just really irritating. I, I wish guess. I had one of those eggs, you know, the shaker yeah. eggs. That would have been a good time to pull it out. I just really find it annoying. You find it annoying? Yeah, yeah. It was just one of those songs, I think, a bit like the Harvey Norman ad. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. Always, always on. on. Yeah. Um, and so it's just very irritating because there's always something else you'd rather hear, but when the circumstances <laughs> are there, it's yeah. always that. It was always that on the radio, and I just really hated it. I think I was went away from it for so long. Like, I didn't listen to it much, but my neighbour, who was going through a divorce at the time, funny that, just played on a loop. Um, well, I would divorce them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think alone. I think during the process of divorce, okay, then they put it on because they were like, well, strangely enough, it's this like a theme song. Yeah, that's a theme song. <laughs> but I remember hearing it over and over and over. And then I don't know. It must have been a long time before okay. I listened to it again. All right. I was like, oh, this song's yeah. good. Yeah, because I think um, you know, there's this thing in psychology called the mere exposure effect, which says the more you're exposed to something, the more familiar it is, the more you like it. But I think you can be overexposed. Yeah. Um, and 
that's definitely the case. When you get overexposed, you're like, I never I, want to hear I this know. ever again. I mean, Harvey that's pop Norman, music. Yeah. Uh, Sonia Dada. Yeah. Same. But that's a lot of pop music, right? You hear it song, you go, oh, this song's pretty good. And then you're like, I love this song. I'm going to listen to it. It's always on the radio. And then you're like, I'm over this. Yeah, yeah. But then they use it in ads. Yeah. Um, is I'm there never a... going to like it. you just got to give up. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen, is it? No. So I've given you a sticker. Yeah, of, I, I raised the sticker. Yeah, um, we sang it to you at karaoke last year. Yeah. If we're in a karaoke <laughs> room and you're in the room and I'm in the room and Betty's in the room, yeah, too bad, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could always exit. Yeah, look, well, that at least will, you know, um, make a happy core memory. <laughs> um, but the song is still intensely irritating. Yeah. <sighs> Gross. Yeah, I hate that. When you feel like you found a song and you love it, and then yeah. everybody else jumps on the bandwagon and says they've always liked it, but they didn't. Yeah. I find that annoying. Yeah, you, and again, that's that you sort of develop that in high school mm-hmm. as well, because you get real ownership over... Yeah. Songs that you found, yes, fa- that you found, yeah, that you discovered yeah, this yeah, band, that you yeah. discovered that, yeah. Um, it's weird though when when something that you like, usually a band, mm. and then they release their next album and it's a massive hit and everyone's like, oh, I love this band, and you're like, sorry, what's going on? Yeah, why does everyone like this band? And yeah, or you know, it happens a lot. Justine will be like, I like this song, and I'm like, oh, I, the albums are great. Oh, you. Listen to the album. Oh, there's like 10, 10 albums before this one song. It's weird yeah. how that happens. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I always felt like that was a, a teenage thing. Like, yeah, ownership over. Yeah, no, I liked it first. Especially, yeah. it was always a high school because thing. Because we use it to define who, yeah, who we are, I reckon. So Violet said the other day, because I play uh, Come As You Are came on. Oh, yeah. And she was like, oh, I love this song. I, love, I like Nirvana. And I was like, you do? Cool. You should just play all of Nevermind, but I said there's a lot of other songs that are really cool and yeah. they're unplugged. And she said, that. she said, I, I don't, you should never like tell people though that you like Nirvana. And I was like, what? She was like, at school, if you, if I say, oh, I like Nirvana, people say, what are the, like three, unpop- three unpopular songs of theirs? What are three songs that are, um, smells like teen spirit? Okay. I'm like, really? So yeah, you've got to prove. So annoying. Mm. I said, yeah, that's very teenage. Mm. You like something? Don't. <laughs> yeah, or prove it. Yeah, prove it. Oh, no, you don't. You just, oh, everyone likes them. And you're like, oh, my God, that sounds very stressful. Yeah. I thought I was just liking Nirvana. Yeah. Oh. Like if you wear a shirt that has like a, a label, like she said it's the same people wear like two-pack shirts. And All right, name like five songs of theirs. Okay. Like, imagine even if you do love them being confronted with that just on the street. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, uh <laughs> Oh, I can't, I can't remember. Right yeah, now. I can't think right now. Self-loving my sister. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, or like oh, I I bet you only like them because, and you're like oh dear. You know, I have only ever I think had one. Oh no, two band T-shirts. Wow. Uh, the Cure. I was a, a massive Cure fan in uh, like year seven. Yeah. And then wow, that's uh, cool. Def Leppard, which I embraced later in life. Yeah. You embraced Def Leppard. I did later I in life. The Def Leppard concert about, oh, when would it have been? I was working at Dixon College and they came to the AIS. Um, yeah, and it was just so much fun. It was so cool. Yeah, Def Leppard. Far out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so yeah. you hadn't really... But I haven't listened to their new album. Apparently, um, my friend who came to the concert with me... Yeah. Um, yeah, when... when uh, yeah, anyway... Um, 
told me they have some new music out, but I, I haven't gone there because I think I only just want to remember Def Leppard as the, the con- music from the that concert. concert. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. So when they said, do you want to come and see Def Leppard? Did you just go, sure? Yeah. Or I did you go, I, oh, okay. I initiated the Def Leppard oh, right. um, concert, but I ha- we had a spare ticket and I asked... Um, my friend, if they would like to come last minute, and their response was, well, you know, it's that or stay up watching, is it Late Line? Is yeah. it Date Line? Which one? Late Line, that on yeah, ABC, yeah. Be- yeah. Beats that, so, yeah, yeah. So, so they ended up coming, and <laughs> I presume it was more entertaining than the alternative, um, and we have been in the Def Leppard Appreciation Club since. Far out. Yeah. I'm, 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 name three Def Leppard songs. <laughs> well, gee, um, my favourite would have to be Hysteria. Yeah. Um, and I love um, When Love and Hate Collide because I remember um, I had this mate in high school, Johnny, who lived down the road. And yeah. Sounds like a lyric to a Def Leppard song. Yeah, he gave, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, he gave me the, um, the single on CD. Loved it. Yeah. Um, still love it. You know those songs that you have where you, if you're really angry or you've got lots of feelings and you really need to get them out in a healthy way and yes. so you put the song on in the car and just scream on the way home. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those songs for me. Yeah, Gorilla yeah. Radio, Rage yeah. Against the Machine. That, yes, that, yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. Turn yeah. that shit Very up. Very cathartic. Very cathartic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, that song works for me in that way. <laughs> Yeah, so you had a CD single, that's something. I did, yeah. How, how good with CD singles? Yeah, look, um, do you remember your first ever CD single? I don't remember the CD single. I don't know if I bought too many. Mm. <laughs> I remember buying, when I lived in Newcastle, by going to the second-hand um, yeah. record shop there and buying a CD single of The Grid Swamp Thing, oh. which had like six versions of the same song i should just drop all of these songs into it um and it had like you know 13 minute versions of yeah um and i i couldn't find it uh, you know years of moving yeah. around I, di- I didn't know where it ended up and i spoke to my friend sooty um and he was like I f- is this your cd like the swamp thing and i was like yeah <laughs> and he's, he's like oh i put it on the other day i found it in all amongst all my stuff and I put it on and I instantly remembered, God, listen to this friggin' song yeah. going over and over and over. Yeah, because it's like 40 minutes of music and it's just the same song. Yeah. But I don't, I don't have a first CD single. What was yours? I remember my first ever single, but I think cassette tapes were still a thing then. Yeah, absolutely. And it was Good Vibrations by Marky Mark. Marky Mark. And the Funky Bunch. Yeah. And I think the first CD I ever bought, I don't think it was a single. I think it was the soundtrack to The Breakfast Club. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a little groover. You had like the soundtrack to The Breakfast Club, listening to The Cure. Yeah, yep. And um, I loved, who else did I love back then? Kate Bush, Cindy Lauper. Um, Yeah, so I think the soundtrack to The Breakfast Club and some album by Lisa Loeb. Right, we um, stay on it. Yeah, yeah, because that was one of my favourite songs. The, what were the other songs? Can you remember? Name no, three Lisa Loeb songs. <laughs> no, none of the other songs. Yeah, I don't think I listened to any of the other songs. Or yeah. liked them. <laughs> but yeah, the one song on the album. Yeah, you just played like it to, to death. Stay. Yeah. Well, I, I know for a fact the first CD I bought was You Can't Touch This. Uh-huh. The Right Stuff. No, not The Right Stuff. You Can't Touch This 1990. Yeah. Compilation. Okay, right. And that is still the best compilation CD okay. ever. I've yeah. discussed this 
at various points. Okay, so it's it's a compilation of music. From 1990. Okay, all right. So obviously MC yeah. Hammond, You Can't Touch This, yeah. Concrete Blondes, Joey. Oh, that's a great um, song. Unskinny Bop by Poison. <laughs> okay. Uh, Faith No More's Epic, Bon yeah. Jovi. Um, uh, Blaze of Glory. Okay, yep. Um Bit of Glenn Medeiros. Oh, the Girl goodness, Ain't Worth It. Total that. Power. Oh, Buster Move. Yep, yep. Buster okay. Move. Uh, it Must Have Been Love, Roxette. Yes. Yeah, it was just it, hit after hit. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Oh, so good. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere. 1990. 1990. Year six. You were in year six. We used to like, impress our friends by knowing every word to every song on okay. that CD, yeah. uh, including really terrible songs mm. by The Machines Breaking Down by Tina Arena. Oh, <laughs> you wouldn't never have heard that one because you remember the compilations tended to have, like they they were they tail off, shall we say? Yeah. All the all the famous ones were at the start, and yeah. then it would tail off. This yeah. had the tail off was like the third and fourth song. Oh, well, it's not. Crazy. And then it was fine from oh, then. Okay. Like then, like it ended. Partners in Crime, mm. Young MC, Roxette. Like okay, well that's a strong finish. Yeah, and yeah. the other one I had was uh, Beat the Heat, Summer '91. And that had a lot of shite. Okay. So it had Betty Boo doing the do and D like <laughs> Groove is in the heart. Oh no. Which is still great. Oh, no. Um, and and then like John Farnham chain reaction. But that was the high point. Like the it tailed off so like Prince, Thieves in the Temple. Okay. Um yeah. uh, the 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 end of New Kids on the Block. Mm. What song was it? Might have been Tonight, but I don't even think it was that. It was really like really bad. Like yeah, okay. Zed grade. By the end of it, I was like... <laughs> so there are songs which I've never heard. Mm. There's a bit of Belle Biv DeVoe, which my daughter oh, started exactly. listening yeah, to. I like Belle Biv DeVoe. Yeah. Yeah, there was a big R&B kind of vibe happening when I was in maybe year eight, yeah. nine. A lot yeah. of like tinny yeah. drum sounds, like that real early 90s, the drum has no bass to it. It's I listen to it now and it's like mm. the nails on the chalkboard. Okay, yeah. Anyway, I get distracted talking about compilation CDs. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you're in Year 7, you're listening to The Cure. Yeah. Well, is that the type of, I mean, not to stereotype Cure fans, because I, I love The Cure, but I wasn't a teenage Cure fan. Okay. But the stereotype is moody, yeah. broody. I was definitely sad music. moody and broody. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I think is pretty standard for a 13-year-old girl. But yeah. I think... Yeah, The Cure was definitely the influence of my stepsister. So she was... A bit older? Yeah, she was maybe five years older and she was a goth. Yeah. um, And she definitely had an influence on me. So I did play around with some like white powder at one point in time, which didn't really go with my olive complexion. Right. Um, I'm glad you clarified it was going on your skin. I was like, what do you mean you're playing around with white powder? Yeah, yeah. And I think I inherited my appreciation of The Cure from her. Yeah. Um, But I did genuinely love them um and i went and saw them live um and somebody was doing knitting in the audience which i found very incongruous that probably happens at every cure concert but yeah (laughs) yeah um crazy so i think it was my first year of university might have been what 1998 and i went to see them at the canberra theater um you know by that stage i think they were very old um (laughs) you saw them in 1998 and they're very old yeah and i saw them in 2015 okay Yeah. yeah Yeah, so... So, yeah, 2015 or 2016, I saw them. So, you yeah. can imagine they were very old then. Yeah, yeah. And still... Yeah. Still. So the voice is the same. Yeah. The little fat, 
man with the hair that's <laughs> yeah, well yeah. beyond its use-by date, <laughs> yes. still teased to the shit house. Sixty-five bottles of hairspray. Yeah, into that. he walks up on stage, and yeah. the voice is exactly the same. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And they sing, play for three hours. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And one of the greatest things, like at the end of it, we're sitting right at the back. Oh, yeah. I waved back at him when he waved at me. He waved at me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah. that's what Alison was like. He was sitting next to me. She was like, oh, that's so sweet. I was like, what did you see? He waved at me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Robert Smith waved at you. Yeah. yeah. Take it to the grave. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, great. So at the time, what, what's, what were the cure, like was that, I don't know, I'm not a big enough fan to have like, yeah. No, the chron- chronological order of the albums. Was that Disintegration, The uh, Cure, or was it a compilation? No, they, or? it was just before, I think, before they became kind of mainstream in terms of Friday I'm Friday in Love. Friday I'm Love, yeah. Yeah, so I remember when that song came out, it's how everybody, you know, like if you said that you liked The Cure or you had it written on your bag, <laughs> me, um, you know, then that was the song that people liked. Right. Or that people knew. Um, so it was a bit like what you were saying. Yeah, before. right. I understand yeah. that. That's a classic example of mm-hmm. like, but this is this song does not represent yeah. them at yes. all. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, they had um, they it's had like, a couple like, of singles on the radio, but that I think that would have been the only time. I don't even know if they played that live when yeah. we went to see them. It's yeah, like I the don't least. Really like it. Yeah, it's the least interesting yeah. of their songs. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think yeah, it was that kind of time, um, and before that. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what the album before that was, but it may have been the one with just like heaven on it, which is my favourite song in the entire universe. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but I could sing that to you at karaoke. Yeah. I do enjoy okay. a bit of that. It that's is a always, good song. That's always yeah. a fun one. To it sing. is a good song, and I found out, or my stepsister told me, so I'm not sure how true it is, um, oh. that the story behind the lyrics was that Robert Smith used to take his, you know long-time love who he ended up marrying yeah up to this cliff above the sea and they would like hyperventilate intentionally yeah and i think probably do drugs and then you know make out and they'd pass out and he woke up and yeah that's the story of that song so it's far less kind of i guess safe (laughs) um well here's some of the i remember my my Good friend Nick, who's the host of this podcast, he's site hosted. Yeah. He's a huge Cure fan. And I remember listening to them one day and Justine saying, is Robert Smith gay? And I was like, oh, ask Nick. And I sent it to him. And he was like, what what are you talking about? Is that a joke? And we're like, yeah, but listen to Why Can't I Be You? Ah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, huh, I don't know. It's like, (laughs) it's not I want to be with you. It's I want to be you. Yeah, yeah. That's a bit different. Watch and the film clip. Yeah, for that that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then there's also, I mean, Amazing. there's a lot. Like lullabies, I love that song. But yeah. holy shit, what is going on in that song? There's a Spider-Man coming to eat you Do for you know dinner. What? Like I did an analysis of that oh. in my Year Seven English class. Holy shit, so what I a cool it, Year Seven! Yeah, you know? I used it as an example of poetry as we had to analyze right. a poem. Yeah, and my interpretation was, I mean, it's pretty dark, but it was oh, about very dark. Um, you know, a child. And, and somebody doing a, a, you know, a horrible night visit to a child. That's what it, that's what yeah. it sounds like, right? And the right? stri- like striped pyjama bottoms. Like, that's what it sounded like to me. But I was, you know, um, moody and broody. But so. he's also, he's, Robert Smith's very, like, protective of, like, well, what this means. And yeah, yeah. In that sort of borderline, really annoying, pretentious way. Yeah. Of, like, oh, no, 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 I, I don't want to give away. What does it mean to you? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to. 
But you're like, whoa, that's a dark song. It is, yeah, yeah, and Fascination Street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just go, all right, I don't. I, well, sure. no, no, what's this about? I, you know what? I don't want to look look yeah. it up because I really yeah. like this song. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to go home and listen to Cure music as okay. well. Yeah. See if my daughter's moody and broody as, as well. So if you're a moody and broody year seven student, how does that like sort of manifest in your day to day? Was it like, did you have a, 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 a like a click of the moodies? No, or I, I mean, I it doesn't. It. It's not. You're not one thing, I know, at that age. Yeah. But. No, I think that was... It was certainly not my defining characteristic. Um, no, I don't think, like, you would look at me and say, she's a Cure fan right. in terms of that... I didn't fit that stereotype. Yeah. Um, and I think I was only moody and broody, as in that <laughs> I used to... And this is, like, the English nerd in me, you know, like, really reading to song lyrics and yeah. um, look for meaning in things and... Um, yeah, kind of try and make sense of myself in the world in that way. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't think... I didn't have a clique of, of other people who liked The Cure at all. There was one girl in Year 10 when I was in Year 7 who, you know, had the black hair and right. um, um, and you, and stopped me and said, you like you like The Cure. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we developed a friendship based on that, but I think we would have been the only two people in my school who... Um, had that in common and yeah I mean other than yeah so it wasn't really a big part of who I was was that like a great moment for you like when a year 10 stops you how good is that right yeah yeah that was pretty cool it's like being Um, seen like someone sees you and yeah yeah Mm. um yeah it was pretty cool um and she was really nice um for a little while yeah (laughs) (laughs) for a little while yeah Yeah. wow that's that's yeah nice and music has that like it's an easy connector, right? I, any, I'm sort of manic in that way with Radiohead. It's, you know, one mm-hmm. or two students every year will just drop that into conversation. Or, yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> got to contain myself. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So you, have, you like Radiohead, yeah, and then find out stuff about them. There was one student last year who I taught and they would come and find me and go, oh, I found... They were really into Radiohead. I found this obscure thing on youtube and have you seen this and it was like this is great this is okay very nice see i never got to that level of fandom with music you know i liked the songs and i think maybe had crush on particular members of bands but i never really got into like the research obsessive phase if that makes sense but now like there you've got so much like to find all this stuff yeah i mean that's a that's a good thing it's like oh have you seen yeah this and you're like what is this where did where did you find this thing yeah and I only found out fairly recently, I had this uh, radio head CD that was called R plus R plus R. It was like rarities yeah. and all that stuff. And there was a song on it that I really liked, and it's not by Radiohead. Oh. Because I randomly went, oh, what was that song I liked? And then I typed it in to find it, and mm. it was like, I'm like, this is by a different band? Okay, What's so going on? And then I like, <laughs> I had to research and they're like, a lot of people think it's Radiohead, but it's not. And, okay. and then you listen to it again and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. That's not all this time I listened to them and thought, oh, I like this weird. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just, because it appeared on some random CD. Yeah. That I guess it wasn't mass produced, but people had it. Yeah. They were like, oh, I like this Radiohead song. And then, yeah. And like, it wasn't there. Nope. <laughs> Whoops. Poor, poor bastards who yeah. actually recorded. I can't even remember who they were. That's really mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, all right. So, as a year seven or growing up, did you grow up in 
Canberra, you oh, went to Kayleen High, didn't you? I did go to Kayleen High. I did grow up in Canberra. Yeah. I have lived a very limited um, life in yeah. Canberra. So my entire life has been in Canberra in a school. I did not do a gap year. I went straight from being a student to yeah. becoming a teacher. Um, and I have done nothing else than <laughs> spend my life in Canberra in a school. Right. Um, and that, and now my 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 daughter and my son go to the primary school that I went to, and I just feel like you know, like the cycle of being in a school in Canberra is just you know, um, forever on repeat to the end of time. That's my life. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been lovely talking to you today. <laughs> I have nothing to offer. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, do you think, like for your for both your kids, do you is I don't know how to how to put it. Do you think you want something different from them? No, I don't. Good. Yeah, I um I think that you know school and and being young, and you know it's had such a huge significant yeah kind of impact on me because it's still the same. Yeah. I haven't really moved on. Um, <laughs> I've just got the same friends. <laughs> um, all of our kids go to school together. Yeah, right. You know, we still see each other. Our kids are friends now. It's just like this perpetual cycle. And it's it's been a really fun, happy cycle. So, yeah, I don't Sounds like you've got yourself a little community there. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess I do. We used to, we used to call ourselves the Walrus Gang <laughs> when we were in high school because of that scene from The Breakfast Club. Where they put, you know, the the oh the pencils. Yes, ah. yeah, and I did that in maths. I don't know, some stupid thing I did in maths, and then it just became this thing, and then it was a thing for all of us, and then it became what everyone called us. The walrus gang. <laughs> the walrus gang. And yeah, my friend Nicole's husband, who is Johnny, who used to live down the road from me and gave me the CD single. Yeah. Um, you know, that's how tight our circle is. Um. Yeah, it was him. You know, he just started calling us the the walrus gang and the walruses, which you know doesn't really have a nice image. <laughs> no, I'm good. But um, yeah, and now there's the walrus juniors going to wow. Gillingham Primary School, and yeah, yeah, and his son Lucas is the eldest. He's about to go to Kayleen High next year. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just be literally here are the footsteps. Yeah, and yeah, make your own walrus gang. Make your I own dare walrus you. gang. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Make their own gang. <laughs> So, yeah. at what point did you think about becoming a teacher? I don't think that crossed my mind until year 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my creative writing teacher, who was the head of English at the time. Her name was Maddie Rutzow. Um, and, yeah, I was very introspective. And in my creative writing journal, I was, you know, thinking about, you know, where do I, where do I want to be after this and what do I want to do? And I remember her calling me outside she'd obviously read my journal and she said Nicole Downs can I please see you outside um and she just looked at me like with all this seriousness and she said in all my you know she was this crusty old lady um in all my years of teaching I've never come across somebody with the intelligence and the you know the warmth and compassion who you know who quite clearly is born to be a teacher and I think from then on yeah that's wow yeah yeah um power of suggestion yes i think so yeah but um yeah so year 12 really Uh, but i'm not sure i would have you know i don't think i really had the initiative to make that happen for myself i kind of just 
floated into university and I did, um, you know, I did an arts degree and I majored in English and psychology because I really enjoyed learning about them Mm -hmm. when I was a student and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with that. And it was my mum, you know, who sort of said, you know, you wanted to be a teacher. Are you going to enroll in, you know, a teaching degree? Um, when you finish and I'm like oh yeah look I'm not really sure how to which was the barrier for me so yeah she kind of pushed me and, and <laughs> yeah. then yeah it, you know I did a year of how to become a teacher um, which was probably the most insane year of my life and then yeah well here I am and it's been 22 years so so what I, I mean 22 years what's it like to um, do do that in that way because I did a four-year course but it was arts yeah and teaching combined okay yeah um and i've said it many times like i found the teaching side of uni really boring yeah and the art side just awesome english drama film studies if you can believe that yeah um and the education side of it i found really dry and Mm. it seemed like removed from reality yeah not in like not in such a like you know, I th- I'm sure at times I felt like, oh, you just don't learn anything about education at uni. You only learn on the job. Yeah. It's not 100% true. Yeah. Um, because you learn stuff about Piaget and yeah. what we did is, you know, the psychology of it where you're like, but this has nothing to do with teaching. <laughs> and that's really all Surprise. we do all day yeah. is talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where these kids are coming from, what influences them before they come to class. Yeah. That's all you actually do. But when you're like, yeah. 19 you're like this is nothing to do with school <laughs> school is giving a book yeah here is a book read it let's talk about it <laughs> yeah. that's what i want to do yeah same yeah i think um i think for me you know that that one year the graduate diploma in secondary education um there wasn't a lot of skills you know like you didn't acquire a lot of skills no. to take with you into the classroom because it was all a lot of reading and and thinking about things and how it relates to teaching as opposed to the actual doing of teaching yeah and you know when you're young and you're not much older than the kids you're teaching you need to sort of know what you're doing yeah um yeah and and have those skills and yeah i think for me it was it was the the skill of being able to just respect people as people and and Mm. build a relationship yeah um i think that's the the thing for me which has allowed me to stay in teaching that's a a very good point it's it's building relationships with students in particular who you don't really like yeah you know as individuals yeah having just putting that aside putting your ego aside of like well i don't like you as a person and you've probably worked with teachers who yeah, do don't. that yeah i don't like you therefore yeah. i don't like you and i won't work with you and i won't work with you yeah um and you probably had teachers who were like that yeah but it's a real that's a, especially when you're 22 and you start teaching yeah of like oh i don't like this person yeah yeah oh oh i'm an adult oh, that's right i'm the adult and i have to put that aside and yeah. try and teach them and engage with them yeah it's funny though because i've never i don't i can name maybe two students Hmm. who in 20 years of teaching who I feel like I haven't liked. Yeah. Um, and generally that hasn't been an issue for me because I've I've been able to relate to people and find common ground and yeah. be, I guess, you know, um, 
Yeah, it's been really rare to come across people I actively dislike. But I think that's the same in the world, right? Yeah. It's yeah. very rare to meet people that you hate. Yeah. It's very rare to meet, for want of a better term, like ugly people. Yeah. You, yeah. When you do meet them, it's startling, yeah. right? Where yeah. you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the twits, right? You, yeah. An ugly person is ugly inside. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the rest of the... That's at the start of the twits, right? Is that... When you have nice thoughts, sunbeams shine out of your face. Sunbeams shine out of your face. But when you are ugly on the inside, it permeates. No matter what you look like. Yeah. And it's really rare and bracing when you meet someone. You're like... Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I find it difficult to understand. Yes. Yeah, that's what I can't relate to. Like that... Just that awfulness. Yeah. Where you've chosen... It seems like a choice. Surely it's not. But it certainly seems like a choice of like, oh, you've chosen I'm going to be ugly to the world. (laughs) Which is strange because people have, you know, they have issues that they in baggage that affects them often momentarily. Mm. But some people just are like, no, this is who I am. Yeah. I am going to be hateful and spiteful. And that's going to really... Yeah. yeah, and that's going to come through. And yeah. everything is a battle mm. where I have to win. Yes. Every encounter I have is... <laughs> I will squash others. Yeah, you're yeah. like, how do you... That must be exhausting. Yeah, how do you feel proud of yourself at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you're right. Like, very few students actually do that. Yeah. But I, I do remember, like, like, oh, I don't, I don't like this class. You know? Mm. I remember saying, like, I really can't stand yeah. this class. And someone yeah. saying... Well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. And what did you do about it? Chip away. How? Uh, trying to get to know them. Yeah. Trying to build respect, that respect both yeah. ways. Yeah. And that's really the the real problem. The teachers who struggle are ones who are like, they, they need to respect me. Yeah. And they come in and they say, they should just respect me. And you're like, they should. You are right. But that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to sort of meet them yeah. halfway. You have to... No, but they should be. And you're like, I know. See, I don't get that. I don't get that mentality of no. they should because, you know, like I think they should, you know, you would hope that they would value the opportunity to get an education. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that's... That's right. That's definitely an assumption that I would make. But I would never assume that somebody has to or should respect me. I really, you know, it's the same with parenting. And, and you know, people will obviously mm, disagree. But I really feel that... Um, you know, you you need to earn someone's respect, yeah. and if you want to have influence, that's about the relationship that you create and yeah. the the bar that you set. And I think the most you know the most positive and meaningful thing that a student has ever said to me is that you know that they that they hope that they will be like me. You mm. know, and I aspire to be like you. you yeah. know, in in terms of your kindness and um whatever and i and i just really think that yeah i would never just expect respect um you know i remember what it was like to be 17 yeah um and you know you have so much going on and yeah and and so much that you think no one else understands and taking the time i think to remember what that felt like for me yeah um you know school was a happy safe place where i felt you know, probably seen and valued. That's what I was going to say. It's yeah. about the difference you make to a student yes. by basically saying, I see you. Yes. Yeah. I recognize you. Yep. And even if you don't teach them mm. anything, yeah. 
beyond you know you your worth as a human being yeah. i see you and i value you and if you're not getting what i'm trying to teach today that doesn't matter because yeah. you matter you still matter like I, I feel for me you know that's that's the purpose like that's the point yeah for me yeah G- giving them a space to come into where they're like oh this person this yeah. adult uh, like is interested in what i think yes yeah. and that's so hard at first yeah. for I think when I, I don't know when it, what it was like for you, but when I started teaching, it was hard to be like as egotistical as I was to be like, no, no, I will impart, you will think I'm great. That's what's important here. I will be such a good teacher that you will think you love coming to class, which is still, you know, what I aim for, but you realize like, oh yeah, that's not my, it's not the power of my personality that's going to do that. Yeah. That took yeah. a that took a while. Okay. So it's the chipping away at them and chipping away at yourself, yeah. right? It's that. All right, I've got to just strip I don't away this. More than you. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you see that, especially with prac teachers, they come here and let me explain something <laughs> to you, children. And they're they're literally a year older than the students. I remember thinking that way when I was your age, and you're like, I'm sure I was exactly the same. Oh, yeah. bless. Yeah. So young and yeah. so okay. naive. Oh, uh, see, the problem for me was I still felt the same. You know, I kind of in my head I was I wasn't different. Yeah. Because you know my first teaching gig, you know, I was I. I I was hired before I'd graduated and I was right. 22 teaching, mm-hmm. you know, some of these 18-year-olds mm-hmm. were huge. They yes. were bigger than me. and Well, I'm, a, um, I'm the same. I'm a very little man. Yeah. And at 22, I would look 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, we probably had the same interests and the same pastimes, you yeah. know, at that age. And um, I really didn't differentiate myself, um, maybe not as much as I should have. So, yeah, I didn't really mm. have that that assumption that I somehow had, uh, I don't know, something over them or... No, I, I guess I not. Know. I yeah. guess not. I just I just remember the, the year nine class I had when I started teaching, I was just like, oh my gosh, they are horrible. I'd have dreams about them. <laughs> like just that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was one of those things where I didn't realise that they were a hard class. Yeah. You just okay. think you're a bad teacher. Yeah. And you, and it's amazing. And when you start teaching, you're like, right, I've got these classes who are nice. Yeah. I'm going to spend 10% of my time preparing their work. And I've got this class who is so challenging and yeah. destroying me. Yeah. I'm going to spend 90% yeah. preparing. And then you go and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, all right, that was a waste. That didn't work. It's so draining, isn't it? Yeah. Trying to, trying to convince an, you know, a reluctant audience of the value of what you have to... But what is, what is the thing they need to tell teachers is the first year, just don't even bother. Mm-hmm. If you've got a hard class, yeah. just swim yeah. like it's swimming. Yeah. Um, because the next year, if you turn up and they are, you, you could have the exact same class yeah. and you could walk in and they will all say, hi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you came back. That yeah. was what I was told. It was like, oh no, they, they just think you're not coming back because they've just again it's the situation they they've had like five teachers this year or yeah. they've had this happen or you know all their classes get changed if you come back mm. then they're like cool all right yeah good morning sir like I, I remember teaching the year nines and then i came into my year 10 class the next year and i had you know five or six of them were in yeah. there and someone was like oh you suck or something like that and those five were like you leave him alone he's yeah. a good teacher and, and it was just like wow. oh man they're so weird okay <laughs> They're so strange. 
It's like a fam, like the family yeah. thing of like, no, we can insult him. Yeah, we've done that. <laughs> yeah. We've tested him. And he's still here. And he's still here. So let's move. It was completely different. Wow. And it okay. wasn't like, oh well, now they're in year ten, so they're mature. Yeah. That was probably part of it, but yeah. it was just like, oh no, he came back. Like, oh, See, God, I had zero so high school experience. I taught for a term. I had a really right. challenging year eight class for that term where I was hired before I'd gra- graduated. Um, and yeah, you know, like they were reading out of the palm of my hand by the end of it because they'd had this, you know, teacher who'd already checked out and was going yes. to a cushy job in a private school and paid them no attention and asked them to watch BTN on repeat for three terms. So, you know, like <laughs> oh, the fact nice. that I actually learned their names and, and spoke to them like they were decent human beings was all I needed to do to get them on side. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's my only experience in a high school. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's high school is like. I wouldn't want to meet me in year nine. Like. No, that's yeah. all right. That's it's hard, and it may, and I don't particularly like year sevens. That's where a lot of people say, "Oh, year nine's the hardest year." But I always struggle with that, the really immature behavior, okay. yeah, and the cyclical nature of it. So you have them for a year, and that you get them to a place where they're treating each other with respect, and here's a new year seven group, exactly the same. Yeah, and so that that was became. A struggle for me. Okay. I'm going to go back to it. Yeah. That's the plan is to okay. go back to it. Um, it's like in... Someone explained it like at the start of Fight Club. Where they're like... The first time you turn up to Fight Club, you're like cookie dough. Okay. And then by the end of like... After a month or something, then you're like... You're made of granite. Okay. That's what it was. That's what it's like in a high school is that... You just get pummeled. Yeah. And then it just toughens you up okay. the next year to be like... Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I know. I I'm, can I'm bob and weave around these things. Mm-hmm. And I've said it so many times in the podcast, but the first day I ever taught, someone said, we're going to make you cry. That was like my introduction to that class. Okay. And be yeah. like, oh, what about, I haven't done anything. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that's our challenge is to make you cry. Okay. And you're like, oh, I remember I thought I would turn up and yeah. they would all go, oh, this guy's yeah. great. Yeah. Nope. Check out his halo. Yeah, yeah check out his halo. Oh. Now, I want to ask you a more in-depth question. Sure. From something I've observed. Okay. And studied and thought about. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> is you seem to have a struggle with self-doubt. Yeah, I do. So, what's all that about? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't... I, I think it's only been since coming back to school after having kids. Right. Because things change so quickly in, yeah. in schools. Um, right, okay. And, you know, and I think changing from full-time where, you know, teaching is, ev- you know, teaching was everything. Yeah. You know, that's, that was my life. I didn't have a, a, a husband mm-hmm. um, until I was 30. And, and then, you know, it was like instant family and life had changed significantly. But, you know, I spent my 20s, um, you know, there's a full decade of my life where all my energy went into teaching, teaching and, it, yeah. and it was really the most important thing in mm-hmm. my life. My job was um, where all my energy went. Yep. And then, you know, I, I met my husband and um, we we had a family and it all happened very quickly and I felt really out of touch coming back with, you know, and there were people who were younger. So and, how, many, how many years was that? Oh, like, well, look, I got, I think I got married. I came to Gungarland College um, when it first opened. Mm-hmm. So I was here, I think the the grand opening year was 2011. Mm-hmm. And I got married in December 2011. Right. 
And then I came back after the summer holidays. Um, Is that a classic teacher planning thing of like, I get married in December? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Everything revolves around assessment, um, <laughs> yep. you know, including wedding Let me wedding just look dates. at the calendar. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I made sure I had all my marking and reports done before I got married and went on my honeymoon. Oh, it's so true. Yes. Yeah. And then I think I was only back for, um, I think I took, I took some leave because um, I was grieving and by the time I came back to work I was pregnant mm-hmm. um, and so you know I was just getting through until I had um, a baby and then yeah I was on maternity leave I came back to work I think I was only back for three terms before I had another baby right. that was kind of a surprise <laughs> um, a happy surprise but yep. uh, wasn't planned and and then I was out again and I didn't come back um, you know until my son was in preschool Right. So it, so it was, just threw out your whole priorities as well. Yeah. You've yeah. got to come back with different priorities. Absolutely. And that, you know, I've, I'd never had to juggle priorities before. And I mm. think, you know, my psych, my psych degree probably didn't help because uh, <laughs> I had all this kind of, I knew that, you know, being, being present and available right. in those early years was, you know, kind of important. And you know, to, that's my interpretation of, of what I'd learned. And, I really wanted to do that because I'm not very good at doing things badly. I don't like. Right. I don't like to not do things well. Um, yeah, but you also are at the mercy of the massive industry of let's make mothers feel guilty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think I was. I uh, did enough of that myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, don't need an industry behind yeah, it. Yeah. No. And and you know really the majority of um, of parents or or mothers that I've I've known and come into contact with you know I'm one of the only ones who chose to not work and you know we stayed at home on one income Mm. you know until my son was um in preschool um and you know that was a a choice I made but you know people looked at you like you were crazy you know and I think you know that's changed a lot you know when my when it was my mum that was the done thing yes that's right it was unheard of for a woman to be at work and or you know and and now it's sort of the opposite Mm -hmm. um and you know I notice it now because you know, the families around us are all renovating or extending their houses. And it's like, you know, we we only had one income for a really long time because I just tapped out of the workforce. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can't ever imagine being a full-time teacher again. I just don't think I have enough hours or brain cells. But you also have two children who want to do every activity there is possible is that correct yeah yeah and they um and they do make me i guess maybe you know i set myself up for that because i was so present and available early on and right. you know for them that's what that was normal and now i'm sort of you know at night time no i can't read you 10 stories or come to bmx dad's gonna take you because i've got to do my marking or whatever and it's often met with resistance but yeah i think um, getting back to your original question about self-doubt, I think it's really just going from feeling like you're completely across something and an expert, having that confidence completely shaken as a new parent because you don't know shit. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I wasn't, that was a completely unfamiliar scenario for me because I'm not used to knowing nothing or not knowing what to do. Mm. And uh, it, I mean, that just doesn't stop as a parent, feeling like you don't know what you're doing. No, you're an expert in the age 
your children are minus one year, someone told me. Like, you know, I'm an expert. Oh, how old your kid? 12. Well, let me tell you about what it's like yeah. being 12. Yeah. What about 14? No idea. Oh, what about yeah. when they're six? I can't remember. Oh, I know. <laughs> I've never felt like an expert in parenting at all. But, um, yeah, I think coming back and, and having people with exceptional reputations working around you who were younger and, um, yeah, I think maybe it just made me doubt. Hmm you know, doubt what I was capable of, but I don't know. Yeah, if I can give you some advice, don't do that. Yeah. All right, solved. Okay, yeah, thank you. We solved that. The hot tip, yep. Hot tip on crisis management. Um, Right. It's interesting that you you say, like, that that's not uncommon and there's a few people I've spoken to fairly recently who who I would say were exemplary students themselves, Mm. always high achievers, um, did very well at uni, very very well at teaching because they invest so much time into it have become parents this is really hard i'm not used to sucking at something and there's no end there's no like oh well i'll get through it or next year i'll i I know what to do or i've got these resources like when you're a teacher and something goes bad you're like well i can do this or that but when you're a new parent you're like well this is just wild (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yeah, it is. It is wild. And I think, I, I, I just think as well, because I, I'm, I love learning and I'm never content just for things to stay the same as, as they were. Mm-hmm. Like to use, say, last year's stuff, I've always got to try and make it um, better. I'm always trying to be better, which mm. is probably my downfall. <laughs> Don't try and be better. Don't try and grow. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. I wanted to just ask you, you said before about that you took time off for grieving. Yeah. So what what was the Oh I um so when I told you that, you know, the the family happened quite quickly. So I met my husband, I think I was about thirty and a half, I met him, we fell in love, we got engaged, we decided that we wanted to start a family, I felt pregnant you know like in no time Mm -hmm. um and I was just super excited and we were super stoked and it was two months before our wedding and then on the day I finished work I went and had a scan and it showed that the baby um didn't have a heartbeat stopped growing and yeah I ended up you know wearing a maxi pad and, and waiting to sort of go into spontaneous miscarriage um at my wedding and it was not you know it was not a really joyful experience no. um you know it's meant to be but it but it was so how many other people knew that was the uh, case? well i think i'd made the mistake of just being so excited and just telling yeah just of course telling everyone, first we're, child we're have a baby and yeah. um you know and i was very optimistic and you know and i think that's fine um, but unfortunately, yeah, I had to sort of say it's not happening to yeah. the people who were closest to us so that, you know, it didn't come up on the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was that, that kind of edge of sadness, really. But I guess that's a good thing that they knew. Because yeah. I can't imagine having to put a brave face yeah. And have that... That would have yes. just been constantly brought up yes. all day, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think it was... Um, 
one of the hosts at the venue, you know, they knew that I was, I had been expecting, but they didn't know that, right. um, you know, that was not the situation anymore. And so when they tried to give me non-alcoholic champagne, I'm like, nah, give me the, give me the good stuff. It's okay. You <laughs> right, know, and yeah. and yeah, just the look on their face. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was hard yeah. and I was really sad. And I think that's the saddest I've ever seen my husband. And it was just, yeah, it's just sort of you know I think because it's your first child and then there's no you just there's no guarantees you know like I I knew I could fall pregnant and that hadn't been a problem but you know what if it never worked out yeah um and sort of you know Mm. I've always wanted to be a a mum and to think that you know that might not eventuate was just crushing but it's it's so much of sort of how we don't talk about grief I guess Mm. that we're not prepared to even consider that a fact like I remember talking to Justine when we started to try and have kids and even her saying this might take a while to for us to fall pregnant yeah that hadn't even occurred to me yeah like you just are so removed from that world until it happens to you because we don't talk about it oh well you're told as a kid you know if you have sex you will get diseases and get pregnant how many tv shows have you seen where oh whoops yeah. We're pregnant. It's yeah. an accident. So much TV movies yeah. are, yeah. oh, no, we fell pregnant. It's, oh, we yeah. had an affair and then they're pregnant. Like, all of yeah. this stuff happened. Yeah. I have my best friend. He got his girlfriend pregnant. It's just yeah. everyone can get pregnant anytime <laughs> they want. And then, of course... And it will be a disaster. And, of course, yeah. as soon as you try to have a kid, you it's, it's like the the analogy of the baby aisle at the supermarket you yeah. just don't if you don't yeah. have a kid you don't go down it yeah. you don't look at it you don't yeah. think about it and then all of a sudden that's where you are for however long five yeah. years you're yeah. constantly in the in, in the, the baby, baby aisle yeah and it's just this thing that we we don't acknowledge i don't know people think they're going to jinx it mm. or yeah like if we talk about it then we'll manifest it which is dumb because you don't yeah. Unless you think, you believe in the secret and you're going to manifest good things. Like, you know, you don't... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a fan of the secret? No, no, I'm not. But no. you you don't think all the time of what you're going to manifest. and But people get very touchy around the subject of loss of a child. Yeah, yeah. And it's again, it's that idea of like, we don't want to make people sad. Yeah. It's the last thing we would want that's the worst thing you can do yeah is make someone sad Mm. which is i don't know sad in itself isn't it yeah yeah because then that would be awkward yeah for for me yeah if i made you sad then that that would make me feel bad like that's kind of a weird way to think about grief right yeah and sadness and feelings in general i mean they i just think they're there for a a reason and that's generally how humans connect Mm. is that yeah i yeah, I um, I found comfort in in sharing that with with other people and and having them, you know, more older women, you know, putting it into context for me and and um, and understanding and um, yeah, and and I was very open about the fact that you know this has happened and I'm I just need to be sad for a while mm. and I'm just gonna sit in my sad. <laughs> I'm just gonna be sad and then um i will be back and then yeah you'll see what's after that yeah yeah Hmm. yeah i just don't think i don't think trying to 
shove things down or pretend they're not there or not I just fully embrace it and then it's not a then it's done hmm. that makes sense okay. yeah alright well thank you for talking to me thank you for wanting to talk to me and that's it Friday